What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Sports Gamble Ramble. This is SGR 113, and I'm really excited to do this episode because today we are beginning our coverage of Super Bowl 57. And of course, this is not just any Super Bowl to me. Uh, you guys who listen know I am an Eagles fan, so this is a pretty big deal to me. A lot of storylines to go through in this game, uh, and that's what this episode is going to be about. I'm going to be giving you guys a couple of different episodes leading up to the big game here on February 12th. Um, this one is going to be mostly going over storylines and narratives, you know, things that you're going to hear the media bringing up quite a bit over the course of this week, um, you know, at Radio Row and uh, with all the extra um, coverage that the Super Bowl gets. <clears throat> I might point some things out that you guys haven't heard in the mainstream media. I'm an Eagles fan, so I do follow this team and the Chiefs pretty closely. Obviously, one of the main storylines here being, uh, you know, Andy Reid going against his former team. So I've got a lot to say about that. Um, you know, want to address the elephant in the room. I'm an Eagles fan, but I hope you guys realize I'm the kind of fan that is not just going to blindly um, suggest that my team's going to win every game. The Eagles are very good this year, so I've ended up saying that quite a bit, and especially throughout these playoffs. I'm picking them to win these games and look at what's happened, right? But um, I'm not just going to give you my bias point of view. I'm the kind of fan that likes to dissect these games ahead of time and figure out, are we going to win this game or not? And so I'm going to try and give you guys that perspective on this. Uh, but spoiler alert, I'm picking the Eagles to win this game. So that's going to frame you know my content here over the next two weeks. Uh, it's going to be you know, through the perspective of the Eagles are going to be Super Bowl champs. I'll try and play some devil's advocate and I'll try and cover both sides, but that's just what we're doing here. There's no other way to cover it, really. Um, let's touch briefly on the conference games. Won't waste too much time. You guys have had a week to hear the media dissect what happened last Sunday, but Eagles winning the NFC against the 49ers 31-7. to Anyone who wants to bitch about the 49ers not having a quarterback in that game just save it, dude. I'll I'll tell you this right now, okay? Brock Purdy's elbow worked fine before the game. The Eagles made his elbow not work, okay? He was throwing perfectly fine in warm-ups. The idea, the whole goal of a defense in football is to stop your opponent from doing what they want to do. Our pass rush was all fucking over that kid earlier in the game. It wouldn't have mattered if he got injured or not. Whoever was sitting back there at quarterback would have gotten destroyed by our pass rush. It was obvious from the start. So just save it with the fucking excuses. Dominant performance. Yes, could it have been closer with adequate quarterback play on the other side? Yeah, they probably scored more than seven points, but they're not winning that game. Um, talked about it all last week. And then on the AFC side, the Chiefs squeaked by the Bengals, 23-20. Some controversy late in that game. I don't want to sit here and talk about the refs' involvement. You know, a lot of uh, Twitter this week calling for the NFL to be rigged. I didn't think it was that egregious, to be honest. There were some calls that could go either way. The unnecessary roughness to put him in the field goal position, I blame Joseph Osai 100%. You can't touch the quarterback when he's a yard and a half out of bounds at that point, especially with the game on the line. Last 15 seconds of the game, and you give up a 15-yard penalty to put the other team in field goal range. I don't feel bad for that fucking guy either. The internet wants to make him out like he's some sort of victim this week. Boo fucking who? That's a mental mistake in a crucial moment that you cannot make. All right? Sorry about it. 
go to therapy and cry about it. I don't need to see it on TV or hear about it all week. Sucks for him, you know. He, I guess he's a good player, second year. I mean, that sucks, dude. But you know what? You fucked yourself on that. That's a stupid mistake that you can't make in that situation. And, uh, you know, people want to say don't throw a flag there. I've seen less called for unnecessary rough. Watching in real time, as soon as he extended his arm to make contact with Mahomes, I knew what was going to happen. I saw it in slow motion. Don't touch him. He's going out of bounds. Don't touch him. He's going out of bounds. What did he do? He fucking touched him. So that's what you get Cincinnati. Chiefs are in the big game here. That's my recap on the conference finals. Sorry about it. Let's move on. The Eagles and the Chiefs are playing in the Super Bowl. Like I said, we got a lot of storylines to get into. Let's take a look at the uh, the current odds for this game. And let's talk about a little bit of early movement here. Um, I'm going to give you guys an episode, you know, as we get closer to the game on, on actual kind of X's and O's and, and a little bit more of what's going to go on, you know, on the field versus these narratives. But um, let's take a look at the line. It's currently the Eagles are a one and a half point favorite. Their money line is minus 120. Um, on most books. And then we have the Chiefs as a plus one and a half underdog. And their money line I'm seeing fluctuate. I got bat stamp open right now and I'm seeing a plus 102. I'm seeing a number of plus 105s and I'm seeing a plus 107. So that number is fluctuating a little, but majority of the books I'm seeing here in New York State are at plus 105. Um, so you know, it's uh, the the thing that I did want to say about that. Sorry, this is a ramble. I'm going to get sidetracked. Um, this line opened as the Chiefs as a one and a half point favorite and quickly shifted. Uh, the morning that it opened got bet immediately by the sharp market, flopping that number over the zero. So the Eagles now one and a half point favorite after opening as a one and a half point dog. Completely agree with the line move. It's clear the sharps know what they're doing here. They're buying in on the right team. Uh, the over under opened at 49 and a half was the lowest number that I saw. It's crept up a bit. I have a 50 on Caesars Sportsbook right now and every other book in New York is at 50 and a half. So that's moving up a little bit and I agree with that line move as well. At first thought, I, I think this game is going over the total. Both offenses are very good. Both offensive lines are very good. Both quarterbacks are very good. Both coaches are offensive minded. It just makes sense to me. Uh, the Eagles defense has only given up 14 points in the in the playoffs so far, but that was against Daniel Jones and Brock Purdy slash uh, Josh Johnson. So I'm thinking Mahomes is good for at least 14 himself, right? Um, so those are those are the uh, opening numbers there, the spread, the over-under. We're going to talk more about it as we get closer. I don't expect this number to move terribly throughout the week. I think the Eagles will finish as the favorite um, if it gets down to a pick em, I guess it won't surprise me. I don't think it would flop to the Eagles as a dog at any point. And if you tell me that the Eagles get bought into a little bit more and this number creeps up to a two or a two and a half by the time kickoff, I won't be surprised at that. If it gets to three, I will be surprised. But I think I also said that about the 49ers game last week, and it did actually end up getting to three Sunday morning before kickoff. Um, I pounced on that Saturday night, actually. This is why you guys got to be watching the lines literally all week because me and a buddy uh, who, you know, talk back and forth texting about gambling all the time, 
he texted me Friday or Saturday night at like 8 p.m. saying, hey, my book's got two and a half minus 125 on Philly. It's about to go to three. And I went and looked at my books and all my books are shifting over, you know, minus 120, minus 125 as well. I said, oh, fuck, they are about to go to three. And so we grabbed it two and a half Saturday night before the line moved. Wake up Sunday morning. Yep, we got a three on the board. So um, that's why you have to be watching uh, the juice fluctuating throughout the week and, and try and you know get the best of that number. Um, let's talk storylines. Let's talk storylines. Uh, number one, right off the bat, probably biggest headline this week is the coaching matchup and the revenge angle, if you want to call it that. Andy Reid was the coach of the Philadelphia Eagles for 14 great seasons. You know, a couple, I think we might have had two losing seasons in that stretch. I know the last year he was there, we went 4-11-1, which, or 4-12, and never mind, that wasn't the tie year. The tie year was with Doug Peterson. But, yeah, we went 4-12, and and it was, you know, it was just time to move on. It wasn't like Andy wasn't a good coach and we still loved him quite a bit but it's like you've been there 14 years we got close to a super bowl numbers of times he brought the eagles to five conference championships which is insane he's been to five straight in kansas city now as well um co- fucking head coaches brought two different organizations to five nfc championships only made it to one super bowl in philly i uh, got beat by the patriots in 2004 2005 season um, 24-21, I believe, was the final score. Donovan McNabb was hung over, throwing up in the huddle. Um, and we didn't have anybody really to play offense except for Terrell Owens on one leg. So um, it's interesting. Andy Reid, I've heard some people debating this week, and mostly on local Philly radio, WIP, um, is Andy Reid's legacy going to be as a chief or an eagle? I think it's pretty clear he's going to be remembered as a chief first and an eagle second. Recency bias is one thing to do with it. And also, this is going to be his third Super Bowl with the Chiefs. He only made it to one with Philly, and he never won one, so it's understandable. It's very interesting. I've seen some jackasses in the media try and paint the picture that this is a revenge game for Andy Reid. Let's not call it a revenge. I understand that he coached for this organization for a long time, but I don't see either side having any ill will. I think that whatever... like hard feelings or whatever you want to say that was felt between Andy and the Eagles or the Eagles fan base towards Andy Reid, that shit dropped years ago. I mean, initially it might have been tough to see the Chiefs having success and the Eagles kind of trying to figure it out. But I mean, um, the Chip Kelly phase was awkward. But once Doug got in there and we win a Super Bowl, it's like all is forgiven. Let's move on. Like, let's live in the moment. I think all Eagles fans still have a great appreciation for Andy Reid. So, again, don't let the media distract you this week by saying that there's extra inse- extra incentive to beat his former team in the Super Bowl. No. He wants to win the Super Bowl. It doesn't matter who he's going against. It really doesn't matter. I think it's interesting. I think it's fun to talk about, like, if you told me 18 years ago that, you know, in 2022, Andy Reid was going to be coaching against the Eagles in the Super Bowl, I wouldn't have believed it. But it's, it is crazy how we get here. But it's not like all of a sudden this means more. I really don't buy into that. On the flip side, Sirianni actually used to be an assistant offensive coach for the Chiefs. Um, I believe under Andy Reid, if I'm not mistaken. So this is a little bit interesting here as far as both teams going against their former uh, former organizations. But at the end of the day, there's so much more to this game. 
And both these coaches want to win this game, not to beat their former team, but to bring home a championship, secure their legacy. Andy Reid is trying to stack rings in this window that he has with Mahomes. And Nick Sirianni, dude, that guy is clearly thirsty to win. I fucking love him as an Eagles uh, fan. And, you know, we can we can talk about Sirianni here in a little bit. I will circle back to him, but I've kind of got my bullet points organized and you know, we just talked about kind of a, a familiarity or relationship between the head coaches and their former organizations. I want to talk about another common relationship that we have here. Again, the media is making a big deal about it this week. It's the Kelsey Bowl, right? Very catchy, great for marketing standpoint. You know, Jason Kelsey, greatest center in NFL history. I, I've said it once, I'll say it a thousand times. Should be a first ballot Hall of Famer, might not get in first ballot based on politics and the fact that it's hard for a linemen to get in I guess but think he can do it if not put the gold jacket on the guy my favorite eagle in team history uh used to be Brian Dawkins Kelsey has slingshotted past the guy the last few years love everything about him uh going against his brother Travis Kelsey best tight end in the league it's pretty incredible that these guys are the most both the best at their position in the NFL, and they came out of the same household. I've been crushing the New Heights podcast on YouTube, listening to these two chalk it up about football and about you know their childhood and the sibling rivalry, but the love that they have for each other and the respect that they have for both of them being able to accomplish what they've accomplished, uh, not only you know in their entire football careers, but at the NFL level. Um, that show's awesome. And these guys are awesome. They're two great personalities. And it's, it, it is going to be fun um, to see them, uh, you know, dap each other up pregame. And then obviously a big old hug postgame. I think it's going to be made a massive deal in the media. And I think like there really isn't much to say besides what I just said about it. Like it's brothers playing against each other in the Super Bowl. It's awesome. It's a headline. But what, you know, conversation kind of ends there. They're not going to be lining up against each other. They both play on offense. It's going to make for some great interviews and, and media clips and things like that. I've, I've already seen his mom and dad, you know, going on Good Morning America to talk about it. And that's fun. Um, <clears throat> there's a couple of uh, brothers that have played in the same Super Bowl together. Um, the McCordy twins played together on the Patriots. And I think the other notable one was the Harbaugh brothers coaching against each other. But this is the first time that two brothers are both players on opposing teams in the Super Bowl. Two brothers playing against each other. So that is cool. Um, but the conversation kind of stops there. The last little link that I have on the relationship uh, bullet points here is that um, I just learned this one this morning here. I'm recording uh, Saturday, February 4th. A.J. Brown, uh, obviously Eagles star wide receiver. You guys know who A.J. Brown is. And Willie Gay Jr., starting linebacker, um, good young linebacker on that Chiefs defense. Uh, they played together at high school, so that's kind of cool. You might hear the media bring that up. Um, I guess you are now if you consider me the media. But, yeah, that's a little fun little nugget. I'm sure there are other guys um, in those organizations that are familiar with each other, maybe some common ties or just some guys that have, have linked up over the offseason at times. Um, but I, ca I can't think of any other common relationships there. Um, Want to kind of uh, take a minute to talk about some Eagles shit here. Um, Want to just take a minute to recognize the journey for this Eagles team leading up to this. Okay, the Chiefs 
were a top two favorite to win the Super Bowl all season. Pat Mahomes, Andy Reid, five straight conference championships. This is not surprising, right? There were some doubters this offseason. You know, how is the offense going to look their first year without Tyreek Hill? And I get that, and I, I, I was maybe part of that conversation. I didn't think that the Chiefs would fall off, but I was skeptical if they'd be less explosive, I was clearly wrong. A lot of people were clearly wrong. I want to talk about the Eagles because they're the team that shouldn't be here. And it's easy to be a prisoner of the moment, and it's easy to say, what are you talking about? This team went 16-3 and last year. And games that hurt started, they, they went 16-1 and this year. Um, why shouldn't this Eagles team be in the Super Bowl? What do you mean? And sometimes you just have to pop yourself into a little time machine and go back, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight, twenty-four months, and just remember how we got to this moment. Man, the Eagles are in their second Super Bowl in five years, and they've done it with two different head coaches and two different quarterbacks. They're the first team in NFL history to accomplish that. It's been crazy. You know, Nick Sirianni, in his first year with the Eagles, they started 3-6, and six, and it was ugly. And I was one of the more angry Eagles fans and more vocal about my displeasure with this organization over that run and in the offseason leading up to it. I was not in on Sirianni, and the first nine games did not look look good at all. Like I said, 3-6, and six start, started 2-5, and five, started 3-6, and six, you know, not great. Um, and then we started building some chemistry, you know, everybody likes to make fun of that manure, uh, you know, metaphor that Sirianni used. You got to plant the manure and then the plant grows and then it turns into a flower if you water it every day. Stupid metaphor. Pretty accurate though. You got to put in the work every day. Rent is due every day, right? It takes time to grow a program. And we're clearly seeing that, um, since that three and six start, the Eagles are 20 and 5 in the regular season, 22 and 6 overall, 22 and 4 with Hertz in the starting lineup. 22 and 4 over Hertz last 26 starts since that 3 and 6 start there. So, I mean, honestly, this Eagles team, a lot of people not really remembering that, not really remembering that we opened in the offseason as a 40 to 1 long shot to win the Super Bowl and now we're the odds on favorite favored over the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. The odds just continue to shrink all offseason. I hope you guys listened to my offseason team previews because I really got you some great value on your Eagles futures if you listen to me on any of this shit. I bet them to win their division at plus 275 back in May, the week after the NFL draft. By the time the season was here, they were dead even with the Cowboys co-favorites at plus 145. And then obviously we went and won the first eight or nine games of the season. It's been a great run. Um, Jalen Hurts, his arc as a player and the everything that he's had to go through from like getting benched in the national championship at Alabama and sitting for an entire year as a backup behind Tua and transferring and working on becoming a better passer each and every year and developing. I heard Nick Saban make some great comments about how like when Hertz was going through all that, the Tua benching, Saban said, look, you got to get better as a passer. You got to stop leaving the pocket and you got to focus on, you know, reading coverages and being a s- surgeon 
of a quarterback. And that's, he focused on it and he worked on it and he stopped leaving the pocket in practice and he started dissecting defenses and he started watching more film. And the guy at this point is playing such smart football that it's been, it's been awesome to see his arc as a player. And it's been awesome to see, um, the success that Sirianni has had as a head coach over this run as well. The two are kind of linked together. Obviously, it's hard to talk about one without talking about the other. And both, I think, still are being incredibly disrespected. I mean, let's talk about Sirianni again for a second. This guy, the media made him out to be a, just a massive doofus all last offseason. And it turns out, you know, he's able to scrap a, a relatively... <clears throat> underwhelming team last year uh, with the Eagles and, and get them into the wild card picture and, and get them into the playoffs. Yeah, we got boat raced by Brady, but it was an accomplishment in itself to, to try and build the program last year, getting into the playoffs. And now he goes on this uh, really historic run over the course of an entire season here. And, and he's still not a finalist for coach of the year, despite getting this team to the best record in the NFL. And there are people in the media just taking some real shots. Do you guys know who Julian Love is? He's a like a fucking hybrid safety for the Giants. He went on, I think it was Good Morning Football this week, and had some real, real bold things to say about Nick Sirianni, talking a lot of shit about how Sirianni's got a free ride and how uh, Kyle Brandt and Peter Schrager could coach this Eagles team. When I heard some of the shit that was coming out of this guy's mouth, man, I can't wait until the next time the Eagles play the Giants, I'll tell you that. We already waxed that ass three times this year, and now you're talking shit this offseason? Good luck next year. Uh, Jordan Mailata is going to knock your fucking head off the first chance he gets next year, I guarantee it. But... Nick Sirianni is being disrespected talking about how loaded this Eagles roster is and how he doesn't have to do anything to get them there and about uh, people are starting to not like him because he's too cocky or whatever. What do you mean too cocky? Like the guy is passionate and the guy is dominating teams and he's clearly a player's coach. His players love him. His players know that he's just as invested as they are. Like I'm sick of people talking shit about Sirianni when he is clearly doing some of the highest level coaching in any professional sport right now. Julian Love's comments absolutely floored me this week. Go back and watch the clip. Again, basically, he literally said verbatim, Sirianni has a free ride this season. Uh, I, uh, again, I could go all day about it. Julian Love, go fuck yourself. All right. People are talking about this Eagles team having an easy path because they've had a couple of blowout wins here in the playoffs. Okay. The Giants won a playoff game, and now you want to talk about how, like, that victory doesn't mean anything. All that week, it was fucking square sharps trying to talk themselves into why the Giants were going to upset the Eagles. And then they go and just blow the roof off them 38-7. And you can't blame that on their quarterback being injured. You just have to give us credit for our defense rattling his fucking cage from the start of the game. And then again, you know, the Brock Purdy thing. Yeah, he got injured, but our defense took him out. Give us the fucking credit. This Eagles team, yeah, easy path, blah, blah, blah. They've won 38-7 to and 31-7. to They're, they're outscoring their playoff opponents 69-14. to 
Okay, that doesn't just happen. Like, you still have to execute and you still have to blow these teams out and they're doing it. And Hurts, you know, I mentioned that I want to talk about Hurts being disrespected. I heard some comments by another ass clown in the media. Nick Wright is his name, and this is not a football player. This is just some douchebag that thinks he can criticize football players. Yeah, I know that's what I do here, guys. We're going to ignore that. Nick Wright. I had not heard of this buffoon. You, If you guys think Skip Bayless and Colin Cowherd give some outlandish takes on their shows, this Nick Wright guy is going to fucking knock your socks off. Talking about how Jalen Hurts isn't an MVP, MVP caliber player and that it's disrespectful to the players who are MVP caliber for him to be included in the MVP conversation. Go fucking Oh man, sorry guys. I you know, I'm not technically censored on this, but some of the shit that I would like to say to that guy, I still shouldn't say on this show. Nobody wants to hear me yell into this microphone. Nick Wright is a fucking clown. Don't know how that guy has a job on TV, but uh, yeah, okay. If you if you watch Jalen Hurts play this year, like again, it's like, oh, his O-line's too good. Oh, his receivers are too good. Oh, the offense is too good. He doesn't have to like d carry the team. Oh, the defense is great. They don't have to pass in the second half of games. Dude, look at the fucking games. It's embarrassing. Um, on top of that, you know, I talked about Nick Sirianni not being nominated for Coach of the Year. Hertz is an MVP finalist, but he's not going to win it. Like, the media has soured on Hertz, and everybody's sucking off Mahomes right now. And if you look at the stats, you know, Mahertz, or <laughs> Mahertz, there we go. Uh, Mahomes had, uh, you know, more total touchdowns, more passing yards. You know, I, I get it. And Mah and Hertz uh, missed two games. Mahomes didn't. So the stat sheet is more full. I understand Mahomes is probably going to get the MVP. Again, it's kind of ridiculous. And I think that Hertz is the kind of guy that won't say anything publicly, but will take that very personal. I, you can tell the way that he carries himself, the way that he talks to the media, how composed and cool and calm and collected he is. But you know inside his head, all that he's thinking is, fuck you, I'll show you. That's all that's going on inside that guy's head 24-7. As far as mental makeup of young quarterbacks in the NFL, Hertz and Burrow are right there at the top. People always talk about Joe Burrow, Joe Cool, Joe Shiesty, Joe Burr, calm, cool, collected, always says the right thing, has the charisma, has the swag. You can say everything that I just said about Jalen Hurts and what he showed this season as well. So... Yeah, I think he's going to take it as a slight disrespect. Um, it's it's going to be awesome to see these two young quarterbacks square off. Now, Mahomes is 27. Maybe we can't call him young anymore, but you guys get what I'm saying. He's he's not 40 like most of the guys we're used to seeing in the in the Super Bowl lately. Um, it is the... Uh, it is the first matchup between two uh, black quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. That's kind of cool. Hurts also uh, youngest um, youngest quarterback to start a Super Bowl, 24 years old. This is first Super Bowl. Mahomes in his third. Uh, he's one and one so far. So if Mahomes loses this one, he goes into that kind of dangerous LeBron territory where he's got a losing record in the finals. You don't want to be one and two in the Super Bowl, Mahomes. 
maybe more pressure on him than Hurts, right? Again, nobody expected Hurts to be here. Mahomes is supposed to be this golden boy. He was on the cover of Madden with Tom Brady, GOAT edition, at fucking 25 years old with only one ring. I mean, guy has the highest expectations maybe that we've seen of a quarterback ever. Is that fair to say? It might be, to be honest. Because after you watch a guy win seven rings for the last 20 years, you think that somebody else can do it, right? Even though Tom is probably the only human being that will ever accomplish what he's accomplished, right? I mean, you need so much to go together over a 20-year span to win that much. Where, and again, like, yeah, Tom got seven rings, but think about it. Um, two of those Super Bowls came down to one play. The, it, we had the we had the Vinatieri walk-off field goals. We had the uh, Malcolm Butler pick six on the goal line. There was one other in recent. Oh, the 20, 28 to he had to come back twenty-eight to three. I mean, there's a, a lot of shit that comes into play there, where a lot of these Super Bowls could have bounced the other way, and all of a sudden his seven turned into four. And now it's like, okay, maybe the Mahomes expectations aren't as lofty. He doesn't have to win it every year. But I think that he's the guy under more pressure here, and I think that Hurts is that quiet underdog, that snake in the grass just waiting to take a bite out of the fucking jugular of uh, whatever lion is creeping by. I don't know. I haven't been watching a whole lot of Animal Planet. It's, you know, the season's kept me busy, so maybe that's not the best metaphor. But uh, I think it's going to be cool to see these quarterbacks square off, and I think I do think Mahomes is going to have a chip on his shoulder like he constantly does. I really think that that benching at Alabama did a lot for this kid and his mental makeup. You know, I've talked about Hurts a lot. He's he's the son of a coach. Like, he grew up with his dad as basically like a football mentor. His coach was, uh, you know, it was a 24-7 thing. This is his life. He's been prepping for this. And you, Mahomes obviously has the mental makeup as well. He's been here. He's played in two Super Bowls already. Hertz hasn't been in a Super Bowl, but he's been a part of some of the biggest games in college football history. So it's I, I don't think the moment will be too big for him. He seems like he's ready for this, if you had to ask me. Um, a couple just general like game bullet points here that I want to go over. Um, it, you know, we'll talk more about this on our uh, game preview episode, I suppose. But a couple injuries to take a look at right now. Um, the, uh, we'll start with Hertz since we're talking about him, you know, there's been conversation. Is he completely healthy? Is him, is he himself in these playoffs? I'm, I'm not worried about it. I mean, we've seen him, he hasn't put up massive stats through the air, uh, through these playoffs, but he also hasn't had to, um, missed AJ Brown on a couple of deep bombs throughout the playoffs. And so there's a little bit of, is the arm a hundred percent or is AJ Brown struggling with something? There's some rumors that AJ Brown might have some tweaks in the lower body. I think maybe uh, like a slight hip strain is, is the uh, rumor uh, based on the local Philly reporters. Um, this two weeks will be nice to get those guys both ready to go. I'd have more concerns about AJ if it's a hip issue than I would about Hertz's shoulder. I just, I, I'm, 
I'm I'm considering Hurts 100% at this point. Lane Johnson still playing through that abdominal tear for us at right tackle. Uh, you know, two weeks to rest up, and then he's going to power through for another game, and then we're going to get off-season surgery, right? Jordan Mailata, left tackle, also playing through something. I think he has a shoulder strain that he's going to need off-season surgery. And Landon Dickerson, our left guard, um, hyperextended elbow that he will be playing through, but he's been missing some time, getting some extra treatment in the Eagles facility this week. That said, um, we had 22 out of 22 starters healthy and ready to go for the NFC Championship, and we will have 22 starters ready to go for the Super Bowl. None of these guys are going to miss the game. So pretty sweet. Um, On the Chiefs' side, uh, they are pretty banged up right now. Travis Kelsey back spasms all last week. He played. He won't miss the Super Bowl either, but we'll see if he's 100%. That two weeks is going to be big for him. Um, I won't dive into that. I'll save that for our next episode. Little tease there. You don't know where my brain's at. Um, as far as the Chiefs' injuries, though, their receiving core, the rest of their weapons, they're going to be pretty limited. Nicole Hardman is already uh, listed as doubtful for this game. He's not going to play. Over the, over the time of uh, NFL injury designations, since they got rid of the probable designation and moved to just out, doubtful, or questionable, only 7% of players tagged as doubtful have ended up playing in their next game. This guy's not playing, so Hardman's out. That goes one of their uh, field stretchers. And then uh, Juju Smith-Schuster and Kadarius Toney um, both exited the AFC Championship game with injuries and have not practiced this week either. So they could be down, you know, three out of their most important receiving weapons. And we could be looking at a receiving core of Marquez Valdez, Scantling, Sky Moore. Obviously, Travis Kelsey's there. And then they're going to have to fill the rest in, maybe some extra action with uh, Jarek McKinnon in the receiving game. But that's something to keep an eye on. I love that. It, you know, the the less weapons that Mahomes has, the better, right? So that's cool. And then Legereus Sneed, um, the Chiefs' best defensive back. Uh, can I say that? Justin Reed's pretty good. Best cornerback, um, best coverage guy, slot corner. Uh, he's dealing with a concussion. You would assume that he clears concussion protocol by the game next week, but it's something to keep an eye on. He's missing practice, and fuck, it took two attack of Iloa 38 days to clear concussion protocol, so you don't know. And yeah, we'll just we'll wrap this episode up by giving you a couple more um, things from an Eagles point of view. Obviously, I'm picking them to win this game. There's there's one thing that I want to point out here. Um, we have some older guys on the, t- the some of the nucleus of this team, the foundation for the last decade, the, the identity and building blocks of the 2017 Super Bowl. Um, Jason Kelsey is in his 12th season. Brandon Graham is in his 13th season. And Fletcher Cox is in his... Shit, Cox. Um, (laughs) I, I think 11th or 12th as well. Sorry about that, Fletch. Anyways, these guys have been here all a decade, and it could be their final game together as Eagles. I think all three of their contracts are up, and while it's definitely pos- it's possible all three come back, it's likely that at least one or two will come back, but we just don't know. These guys are all in the later stages of their career. It's possible that one to three of them retire or leave in free agency, unfortunately. Kelsey won't play for another team. He'll either retire or come back next year. But Graham and Cox, it's up in the air. And I just wanted to point that out. You know, this is um, possibly a slight end of an era there in Philly. And, and I just, I'm not really that psyched about it. Um, 
But this Eagles team, uh, you know, without too much of a spoiler alert, you guys should still listen to my next episode on my game picks because I'll have a ton more specifics on between the lines why this Eagles team is going to win. But I really feel good about it. They've been the best team in the NFL all season. I've got a couple of stats here that I'll give you a little bit early that I found this week that I I, I just thought these were fucking incredible. I I really like little statistical nuggets like this. Um, There have only been three teams in NFL history that have gone 9-1 and against uh, teams above 500. So the Eagles are one of only three teams ever <clears throat> to have a nine and one record against above 500 teams. That's insane. Um, also, the Eagles this year, you know, this is obviously the best team that Philly's played by a mile. It really isn't close because, like we said that last week about the 49ers, clearly their biggest test. And then we win 31 to seven because they don't have a QB. I get it. I, I get it, guys. I'm I'm not sitting here brag brag, um, but yeah, you know, relatively kind of an easy schedule. That said, we're blowing out the teams that are competent as well. Like every time in this season, when we've when when people have said this is the Eagles' biggest test of the season, we've surpassed expectations. Really, the only game um, where we didn't like crush. Our opponent was, uh, I mean, the Redskins obviously upset us, but I'm talking about um, playoff teams was that game against Gardner Minshew, um, excuse me, with Gardner Minshew against the Cowboys on Christmas, but with Hurts this season. Uh, we've had seven games against playoff teams, 7-0, and combined score of 218-97. to That's seven games against playoff teams. 7-0, and and we win by an average of 17.8 points per game. I'm not saying it's going to be a blowout. I'm not saying that we're going to you know, be swarming Pat Mahomes with our pass rush all game like we were to Daniel Jones and Brock Purdy. But I'm not saying that's not going to happen either, guys. I really think we win this game. I'm excited for it. And I want to let you know what's coming next here. Before I give you a little early bonus bet here correlated to my Eagles pick. So uh, this week, I'm going to give you guys at least two more episodes. I was thinking about doing three. Um, I was thinking about doing like a game picks and game breakdown episode and then a player props episode and then an exotic props episode. And I'll touch on the exotic props in a second. Not sure if I'm going to do three or if I'm going to lump the game picks and the player props together because they're kind of correlated, right? I think I can lay out the player props while, you know, laying out the game script as well. So that'll probably just be one episode um, and it'll probably be at least 45 minutes. I'm actually surprised I'm keeping this one to about 40 here. That'll probably go 45 minutes to an hour if I had to guess. I'll have probably quite a bit to say. And then exotic props. So yeah, this is the last thing I want to touch on in this episode as we wrap it up. One of my favorite things about the Super Bowl is not just the game itself. It's how many incredibly fun things there are to bet on out in the market. There are so many crazy off-the-wall props here that you can bet on as far I mean everybody knows about things like you can bet on the opening coin toss look I don't fucking bet on the coin toss I bet on things that I can get an advantage on if I want to bet on a coin toss I could go down to whatever fucking bar here in downtown Rochester and ask somebody to bet on a coin toss with me 
I'm looking for real opportunities here and really fun, unique stuff. I like betting things on the halftime show. One of my favorite things to bet each year is what will be the first song played at the halftime performance. It's it's something that I enjoy looking into quite a bit. Uh, again, just a fun thing. And you can get long shot odds on a lot of these because how are the books really going to handicap this? Some of it is super random and maybe you can just find some sort of insight. I remember a few years ago, I, I bet on Maroon 5 to to play. Um, I don't even remember what the song was, but it's like I looked up their set list and they had opened every set on their summer tour with that song. So then I bet on them to play it. You can just look into things like that. It's really fun. Um, some other shit like I've taken in the past, you can bet on some of the commercials last year. You could bet over under number of dogs in the Super Bowl commercials. It was like over under six and a half dogs in Super Bowl ads or over under number of commercials with dogs. I think that's what it was. You have to pay attention to the wording on those cause they get very specific with the phrasing. Um, but yeah, like you can look into it and you can look at like what companies they, they publish reports in the financial world on what companies have spent the most on Super Bowl advertising slots. Last year I went and looked it up and I, you could see all the crypto companies and the financial institutions that have bought times. And you're sitting there thinking like, those aren't really the companies that typically put dogs in their ads, right? If you're thinking that there's gonna be a dog in a commercial, what are we doing? Beer commercials, you know, Bud Light, Doritos, Pepsi, like family friendly consumer brands most likely where, you know, crypto.com or whatever fucking uh, fortune brave, uh, favors the brave Matt Damon shit that they have up there. They're not putting puppies in the commercials. So that's something really fun. And then the last example I'll give you, I'm actually giving out a pick here early on this episode. Probably my favorite Super Bowl bet color of the Gatorade bath. This is a very fun one because again, this is one that you can research where a lot of books don't reflect the actual information in their odds because they think that people will just guess on this and people will just guess on this. I actually had to correct some buffoon on Twitter this morning. Um, so let me, let me break this down. Okay. The Eagles drink lime green Gatorade. The chiefs drink orange Gatorade, right? These are facts. We've seen this. Okay. Both these teams have dumped Gatorade within the last five years in the Super Bowl. The, the Chiefs dumped orange on Andy Reid in, what was that, 2019? Is 2020 they got it? The, the Chiefs dumped orange Gatorade on them. And then the Eagles dumped lime green on Doug Peterson in 2017, and they dumped lime green last weekend against the 49ers on Sirianni. You can bet each of these at plus 350 odds. There's a number of um, odds, you know, you can bet blue, red, purple, orange, or uh, lemon lime. Um, and then there's also option for clear if they dump water or no bath is also an option. I think that's the only way that we get fucked here is if for some reason they don't do a Gatorade bath. For me, if the Chiefs win, that's a possibility because Andy Reid has already won a Super Bowl before. Maybe they don't feel the need to do the Gatorade dump for his second ring. 
But Sirianni, if he wins his first ring, 100% dump in the Gatorade. And I think it's at least probably a 75-25 that Andy Reid gets the dump as well. It just it happens more often than not. It's a fun thing to do. I think it's more for the players than the coach, right? The players, they get that feeling on the sideline like, oh, it's time to dump the coach. It's time to do the Gatorade dump. And, and you know, it's one of the... One of the high profile, you know, it's usually a receiver or defensive back that wants to go do it. You know, one of the fun, flashy players. And so it's, it's a fun thing. Um, I saw a clip of A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. Somebody was like, hey, do you guys want to dump the Gatorade? And Devontae Smith goes, that shit too heavy. <laughs> so um, anyways, the, the thing that I'm giving out here, you can get both of these teams at their Gatorade color. Like we know what the colors are. It's orange. If the chiefs win, it's lemon, lime, yellow, green. If the Eagles win, you can get them both at plus 350 and create an absolute arbitrage for yourself. If you want to, for example, put, let's say 150 bucks on the Eagles at plus 350 to win five hundred and twenty five dollars then you can put mm, let's say 50 bucks on the chiefs at plus 350 for orange and then either way if the eagles win um you're clearing 475 dollars on that and if the chiefs win you're clearing 25 dollars on that and you don't lose your 150 dollar investment because that 50 dollar bet on the chiefs orange gatorade will win you 175 so you, as long as one of these two teams dump their Gatorade, can guarantee yourself profit by doing this. Some say it's gambling. Others say it's investing, right? Gambling versus betting. Let's put it that way. Gambling versus betting. That's what this comes down to. So that's going to be a lot of what my next couple of episodes include. You know, to, to synopsize that, in the Super Bowl, there are so many different ways to bet it where you can look at correlated outcomes. I just told you, instead of taking the Eagles at minus 120 on the money line, just take them to dump line green Gatorade at plus 350. You're going from minus 120 to essentially betting on the Eagles to win the Super Bowl at plus 350, which is better than the futures price you could have got before the NFC Championship game. I'm making you guys money here. I hope you're listening. Also, I've got the Eagles at uh, plus 1,300 to win the Super Bowl. So, um, yeah, you could say I'm all in on this fucking team. Let's ride. Cannot wait. Um, yeah, two more episodes coming up. Uh, 114 and 115 will drop this week before the big game here, and I'll get you guys my game picks, my player props, and, of course, those super fun exotic props. That's going to do it here. We're going to wrap this one up. Thank you guys for listening. Let's go, birds, and ramble on.